As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality. That's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line at my online dispensary, drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research, including a new extra strength version of astaxanthin for immune, brain, and vision health. Astaxanthin 12 milligram extra strength. It's a naturally occurring carotenoid that plays an important role in cellular protection and healthy immune system responses. Astaxanthin has also been shown in clinical studies to promote normal cognitive function and may help to maintain a positive mood. In the eye, it helps to neutralize free radicals and manage eye strain due to computer usage. Astaxanthin 12 milligram extra strength is available at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Welcome to today's Television Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today, I'm very excited to talk to uh, a frequent contributor, he's Dr. Richard Mann, uh, about a subject that I think you're going to find quite novel, because today we're going to explore uh, a new, exciting potential application of a nutrient that not a lot of people are familiar with, and that's always exciting when uh, a nutrient that uh, well, we've known about for uh, literally uh, 100 years uh, turns out to have uh, a very exciting potential modern application. Uh, so uh, Dr. Mann is a podiatric physician and surgeon who specializes in nerve diseases of the feet and legs. And that's how he came to discover a product called Zobria, it's a proprietary nutrient formulation designed for nervous system function. Of course, the, the brain is part of the nervous system. So too are the nerves uh, in the feet, uh, which is in his remit as a podiatrist. He sees a lot of patients with uh, nerve problems in their feet uh, due to diabetes and other ailments. And so uh, without further ado, uh, Dr. Mann, it's a pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, I want to get to a very exciting uh, paper uh, that you have written in a journal called Curious. It's uh, they, they don't know how to spell. They spell it C-U-R-E-U-S. I guess it's kind of a play on words like Cure Us. Uh, but it is a scientific journal. It's, uh, it's peer-reviewed, and it is about an exciting application of a very specialized form of B1 uh, in neurodegenerative disease. But before we get to that, because that's that's the exciting update, because we've talked to you in the past about uh, dealing with nerve problems in the feet and the potential for a specialized form of vitamin B1 to have an impact on that. Uh, but just you know, briefly review for us you know, how you found your way from being a podiatrist uh, to becoming interested in Nutrition. Well, um, about 17 or 18 years ago, I had a patient uh, in my office who came in with burning, tingling, numbness, and shooting pains in her feet and legs. And 
really wasn't much we could do for her, and she went away to um, Switzerland over the summer. Because it gets pretty hot down in South Florida. When she came back, I asked her how her burning, tingling, numbness, and shooting pains in the feet and legs were, and she said she was, it was fine. Um, she had no more problems, and that just didn't happen. There was really nothing we could do for people like that, other than vitamins that really didn't work well, or suppress the nervous system with uh, anti-anxiety or antidepressants or anti-convulsants. And I asked her what happened, and she said, well, I went to Switzerland, they gave me this stuff, and it took the problem away. And I asked her what the name of the stuff was, and as the poet said, I, that made all the difference. I took the road uh, less followed. Well, and the name the of the way, stuff thank was you for I think a lot of physicians might have said, hey, you know, yeah, you know, these conditions sometimes wax and wane, and yeah, she did this wackadoodle thing. She went to some, you know, sweet, some uh, Swiss uh, mountain health spa, and, uh, you know, there's a big placebo effect when you go to a nice place, maybe take some, you know, some spa treatments. And, and then you know, she comes back and she says she's better. And, you know, case closed. I'm not interested anymore. But you took an interest. And, and that's to your credit. Well, I had a very curious uh, mind about what was possibly going on. there Because there's really nothing that you could do uh, to help people with peripheral neuropathy, uh, which was the medical term for what she had. So um, I started investigating, and it turns out that um, this form of vitamin B1 was developed in 1960, and it had been used extensively internationally, but it wasn't in the States. It was used in uh, Japan and Europe, etc., and for to improve nerve function in the feet and legs. And every, um, every paper I read, it looked more and more interesting. There was documentation, and there was reason to believe that this had to do with a vitamin B1 or thiamine deficiency. And as I was researching, the papers came out showing that, in fact, people with diabetic were very, very commonly vitamin B1 deficient. Uh, it was a good paper out of England that showed that and that the reason they were B1 deficient, and they actually had 75% less vitamin B1 in their plasma um, than people who weren't diabetic. And the reason that happened was because they were urinating it out as a kidney issue. Then a study came out soon thereafter which showed that um, using benfotemine in diabetics improved their nerve functions uh, and improved uh, what was called diabetic polyneuropathy, which was very, very interesting, and it, it showed uh, some significant success. There were studies that were done by a fellow named Michael Brownlee, who was a brilliant researcher in diabetic pathology. He talked about the use of um, thiamine and thiamine deficiency and the pathways that caused this, and I started using them in my office. And uh, lo and behold, we got uh, people with numbness, tingling, burning, and shooting pains in their feet significantly better. And I kept pursuing it, and I... Um, Ended up commercializing a company, um, uh, starting a company and commercializing it and selling the product to physicians. And we were getting the same sort of feedback that the majority of people were getting improvement in the burning, tingling, numbness, or shooting pains in their feet and legs. And I've been doing that for the past 17, 18 years now. I've been lecturing on it internationally and, and domestically. Um, well over 100 conventions to physicians. I write on it extensively. And I, uh, I, I'm discovering more and more 
uh, how important this is. You know, vitamin B1 or thiamine was really discovered about 100 years ago. As you, yeah, as I was going to ask about the background of that. Thank you for, for going there because, you know, there every uh, student of nutrition, you know, learns about deficiency diseases like, you know, scurvy, which was cured with limes given to British sailors. You know, they had bleeding gums and, you know, they were having all kinds of problems. And that was the fix, you know, give them like vitamin C. So these nutritional deficiencies sometimes were discovered in the 19th century, and the early, early 20th century. What about a thiamine? When did that get on the map? About the same time, in the early 1900s, uh, what happened was it was a relatively significant problem in Asia, and they were able to track down that it had to do with lack of an element uh, in, uh, in nutrients. Uh, I think they called it anurin then, and it later became thiamine. Uh, and what was remarkable, one of the things that was remarkable is prisoners uh, were able to buy more refined rice with the, with the brown husk taken off of it. Mm-hmm. So wealthy prisoners were getting beri-beri, hmm. and the ones who couldn't afford to have the husk taken off of the rice were doing fine. So sort of and the rice is, you know, with the polished rice, you know, Uncle Ben's rice is kind of a, a luxury item, and originally people consumed rice as kind of a, a whole grain, you know, husk and all. Yes, and in that husk there was this vitamin B1, which they subsequently discovered, and using that, it would reverse these neurological problems that people had, which was called beriberi. Beriberi being a horrible disease, it caused paralysis and an extraordinary amount of pain. And that disease was basically eradicated when we discovered that vitamin B, it was a vitamin B1 deficiency disease. Okay, so fast forward to my own uh, medical residency. Uh, I did... Uh, my residency training at, uh, in part at Bellevue Hospital, where, uh, you know, close to the Bowery in New York, where a lot of uh, homeless uh, alcoholic men were brought into us, sometimes in delirious states, you know, to be detoxed from alcohol. And one of the first things we did was we gave them a shot of vitamin B1. And we really didn't, you know, make too much of that because... Uh, we weren't into nutrition. We just thought it was part of the protocol. Why would that be something that we want to give to these uh, guys who came in? And you know, they had for all the world uh, for all the world, they seemed to be demented. You know, they they were you know delirious, babbling incoherently, um, and these B one shots seemed to wake them up. Well, what happens is there's two theories on that. I think both probably valid. One is a nutritional component. If you're an alcoholic, you're living in the streets, you're not eating well, and you can go into vitamin B1 deficiency from a nutritional perspective. But uh, further research into that shows that that alcohol damages the um, the mechanism by which you absorb from your intestines vitamin B1. So there are transporter molecules that absorb that help you absorb vitamin B1. And alcohol damages them significantly. So you don't, you lose the ability to successfully absorb vitamin B1. And, and vitamin B1 is, first off, it's a vitamin, so you can't live without it. And you have to get it from an external source, which is the definition of a vitamin. Mm-hmm. It's but it's invo- for whatever reason, 
it's involved in the production of this chemical, this small molecule called ATP. So ATP is produced in the mitochondria of your cell, these powerhouses of your cell, and it's absolutely essential for life. It's as essential for life as DNA. It's, it's ubiquitous throughout all living things. And ATP generates the energy for all the reactions in all of your cells, and it is the energy vitamin. You produce your body's weight in ATP every day. I want to say that again. What? All the food that wow. you eat goes into generating ATP in quantities that are massive. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it's a conversion from one molecule, yeah. ADP, to ATP, but if you were to weigh all the ATP, they tra- use transmission it. Because otherwise, you know, you would, you would weigh twice as much at the end of the day, right? Yeah, I'm not saying, yes, you would weigh twice as much at the end of the day, and that wouldn't go on for very long. Right. But the amount of the ATP that you make is your body weight. It's also the amount of the ATP you use and recycle. Mm-hmm. So it, it's an enormous amount of energy that's generated through this molecule. And this molecule, the manufacture of this molecule, is a result of the metabolic processes going on in the mitochondria, primarily. And that's uh, the chemical cycle is called the Krebs cycle. Mm-hmm. And the Krebs cycle is dependent on vitamin B1. It, there's a number of enzymes in the Krebs cycle that require vitamin B1 in order for this cycle to work and for ATP to be generated. So if you go into thiamine or vitamin B1 deficiency, it results in decreased levels of ATP being produced. The, the type of cell that is most sensitive to energy levels and ATP levels is, are neurons. That's because they have an active um, mechanism by which they transmit these signals, and that's very, very energy intensive. So if you go into ATP or vitamin B1 deficiency, you reduce your ATP levels, and the, the cell type that's affected most are neurons. And in the brain, that's what happens. These people who have uh, alcoholic disease, alcohol use disorder, they drink too much alcohol, they don't get enough uh, vitamin B1, they don't produce enough ATP, and it goes ahead and causes the brain to dysfunction. It's called Wernicke's encephalopathy. Mm -hmm. And the brain just doesn't work properly, and as a result, they end up in an emergency room. And the the cornerstone of treatment for this is vitamin B1, as you said before. Okay. Well, so segue to the potential for thiamine or a more bioavailable form or more, shall we say, uh, nerve active form of vitamin B1 to have a potential in some of the neurodegenerative diseases that we face, such as Alzheimer's disease, such as Parkinson's disease. And as your paper points out, remarkably, potential in a dread disease, ALS. Now, uh, I had gotten wind, and this is after I talked to you about the potential for treating, uh, you know, nerve problems in the feet, you know, uh, sometimes called peripheral neuropathy, uh, with high doses of, of benfotiamine. You pronounce it benfotiamine. Uh, but since last speaking to you, uh, I began looking this up, and I saw that there were actually some studies that suggested a potential benefit in Parkinson's disease. Now, you're aware of these studies? 
So it's it's very interesting. Parkinson's disease is a very very interesting uh, disease. The um, the use of vitamin B1 in the treatment of Parkinson's disease was um, pioneered by a fellow named Antonio Constantini. Dr. Constantini is a was a an Italian neurologist who started using high dose thiamine either by injecting it or by giving very large levels of, of uh, commonly used vitamin B1 to patients with Parkinson's disease. And he was getting really remarkable success. Um, and um, he uh, reported that he, he had significant benefit in about 2,500 people with Parkinson's disease. He wrote a few papers. One of the papers I, wrote was, I read was not a double-blind placebo study, but it was basically reporting what he found. And they had 50 patients, and all 50 patients with Parkinson's disease, although they tested as having normal levels of vitamin B1, when he gave them vitamin B1 in, in levels excessive, uh, excessive amounts, they seemed to improve. Um, from what I can interpret from the chart, they all seem to improve. And so, this so is all over YouTube, by the way. What we see in the, in the alcoholics with... Uh, Wernicke-Karsakoff syndrome, or Wernicke's encephalopathy, is they're deficient. So we just replace the thiamine that they're deficient in, and it restores them to normalcy. But the theory here is that many people who seemingly have adequate levels, if we sort of supercharge their levels, maybe we can drive some of these perhaps weak or hindered chemical reactions in their brain and sort of superpower their uh, energy production, where it may be lacking in the brain, uh, by virtue of pushing some of these energetic pathways. Well, so the, what Constantini, and he, he was a brilliant man, what Constantini uh, speculated was that in certain cell types in the brain involved in Parkinson's disease, there's what he called a focal, or a specific, on just specific types of neurons, a focal thiamine, severe thiamine deficiency. Mm -hmm. So certain cell types would have, for, for lack of a better term, a, a specific type of very localized beriberi in that cell type. And the, one of the ways in which you could improve the metabolism in that cell type was by giving very high levels of vitamin B1 to overcome what's coming on there. It turns out when you take um, samples of uh, brain at autopsy on people with Parkinson's disease, at least this study was done um, about 20 years ago uh, from out of Italy and National Institutes of Health was uh, wrote on the paper as well. There's an enzyme that's involved in thiamine metabolism that is significantly decreased in people with ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, as well as in Parkinson's disease. Is that TPP? And that, it was, that seems to be one of the reasons why very high levels of vitamin B1 would be helpful in people with Parkinson's disease. So you have these That's certain thyroid, types uh, of neurons. pyrophosphate, that enzyme? Um, it, no. It, the uh, thiamine pyrophosphatase is, is what we're looking at. Okay. So, so thiamine... Uh, Pyrophosphate is the active form of thiamine, okay. but um, an enzyme that degrades thiamine pyrophosphate in the cycle is a thiamine cycle. Again, is it transkinase? Thiamine pyrophosphatase. Oh, pyrophosphatase. And, okay, I'm trying to go back to my and, and, organic chemistry here. 
Okay. Yeah, well, it's a, it does hydrolysis. It reduces it from thiamine pyrophosphate or thiamine with two phosphates to thiamine with one phosphate. And then there's another enzyme that reduces it to thi- free thiamine, and then the cycle returns. Okay. So it seems as though there's a, a problem with that enzyme, and the speculation is that the problem with that enzyme causes there to be a functional mm-hmm. thiamine deficiency, even though the thiamine levels as Constantini noted, were mm-hmm. normal. So by supercharging, it's, it's as you like said, a by supercharging... You know, like I was trying to get to the Lincoln Tunnel yesterday, and because there was a, a crane collapse, all the traffic was backed up, and there was a bottleneck. And, uh, you know, I guess the idea is to force a little bit more pressure through the bottleneck. You can speed up traffic. I like the analogy. There was nothing wrong with that tunnel, except you couldn't get to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and because of the bottleneck, and that's what's happening. And it turns out in amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, there's that there's lacking of that enzyme as well, and that was also shown in Alzheimer's disease. And Alzheimer's disease, there have been studies that show that, although they haven't reached statistical significance, but they're, 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 these studies are ongoing, shows that Alzheimer's, people with Alzheimer's disease, which is another neurodegenerative disease, respond to benfotiamine as well. Um, but, but I want to I want to make this statement. I'm not advocating any treatment for anybody with any neurological disease. Mm-hmm. We are just discussing the science here. Right. Not and my again, place. I, I want to just reiterate. This is that. not this is not going to be a one off to solve these these complex uh, and devastating conditions. But uh, it does offer the prospect that we may be able to ameliorate these conditions, perhaps slow the progression of these conditions. Uh, for want of a better cure. And clearly, uh, we're not necessarily winning the war against some of these neurodegenerative diseases. We, we Our current treatments are what are called palliative. They may slow or uh, relieve some of the symptoms, uh, but we haven't uh, arrived at a cure. And nor is, does this represent necessarily a cure, but it is a pathway that to, seems to me uh, might make sense because we know that nutritional support can be very germane to a wide variety of conditions. Is that a fair statement? And I want to make. I want to make the. Uh, additionally, I want to make the point: that if you have any of these issues, you should see a physician. Yeah. This is something you should discuss with your physician. These are serious diseases, and we're speculating about etiologies and, and possible nutritional elements. But this is stuff you should consult with your physician about. That's very very important, and also discuss with your physician before you start taking any nutrients at all, especially if you're. Uh, under the care of a physician for a medical treatment. So it seems as though there is a commonality here in the patient that, uh, or the gentleman I observed with uh, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, in that there is a, a defect in thiamine metabolism that is documented, at least in, in some papers on that, that also seems to be a defect that's noted in Alzheimer's and in Parkinson's disease. So you have a deficient, you have impaired metabolism of vitamin B1 in these neurodegenerative diseases, and it, it appears as though it may be helped by high levels of vitamin B1, whether it be uh, in the form like Constantini did, which is very high doses of oral um, vitamin B1, or injecting vitamin B1, or benfotiamine, which is a form of vitamin B1. This is all very, very promising. And that's the best you can say. It's promising. And it, re- it, it warrants further study, 
further sophisticated double-blind placebo studies, which have not been done but should be done. Unfortunately, Constantini, in a great tragedy, died of um, of COVID. Oh Remember goodness. when COVID was was rampant in Italy with thousands and thousands of people dying? He was one of the victims. He was in the hospital. Mm. He had a he had a minor procedure, and he was in the hospital um, when this occurred, and he died. And he, his, he was attempting to have a double-line placebo study done appropriately because this man said that he, he helped 2,500 people with Parkinson's. I mean, this is remarkable. And it died with him, it seems, or, mm-hmm. or I, I suspect it, it didn't proceed as rapidly as what I, th- I think some of his, his, his associates are trying to, to do that sort of work, but I, I can't say that for sure. And, and the, frankly, the impetus for a nutritional treatment for these diseases is less than if it were some sort of uh, patented pharmaceutical breakthrough because this is a natural substance and, uh, you know, it, we can't, you know, patent it, uh, you know, keep it on patent for whatever, you know, 7, 12, 17 years uh, while we uh, are able to mark up its price astronomically uh, and frankly go through a very arduous process with uh, the FDA, which can be very, very expensive and then the marketing costs and, you know, and so on and so on. So, you know, the, the, I think nutritional therapies sometimes uh, get short shrift because of the uh, decreased potential for lucrative commercial applications. So, okay, on that note, um, let's give out the information. Uh, You have a website, uh, zobria.com, right? But I have a lot more questions. So as you are aware, we've talked to you before, we divide our podcast into two parts. So in part two, I've got a lot of specific questions on the subject of benfotiamine, as you pronounce it, uh, and yes. its application in uh, potential application in neurodegenerative disease. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.